Chapter 9, Book 4 of Rookwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Paul Curran. Rookwood by William Harrison Ainsworth. Book 4, Chapter 9, Excitement. How fled what moonshine faintly showed! How fled what darkness hid! How fled the earth beneath their feet, the heaven above their head. William and Helen Dick Turpin, meanwhile, held bravely on his course. Bess was neither strained by her gliding passage down the slippery hillside, nor shaken by larking the fence in the meadow. As Dick said, it took a devilish deal to take it out of her. On regaining the high road she resumed her old pace, and once more they were distancing time's swift chariot in its whirling passage o'er the earth. Stamford and the tongue of Lincoln's fenny shire upon which it is situated were passed almost in a breath. Rutland is won and passed, and Lincolnshire once more entered. The road now verged within a bowshot of that sporting Athens, Corinth, perhaps, we should say, Melton Mowbray. Melton was then unknown to fame, but, as if inspired by that furor of Anaticus, which now inspires all who come within twenty miles of this charybdis of the chase, Bess here let out, in a style with which it would have puzzled the best Leicestershire squire's best prad to have kept pace. The spirit she imbibed through the pores of her skin, and the juices of the meat she had champed, seemed to have communicated preternatural excitement to her. Her pace was absolutely terrific. Her eyeballs were dilated and glowed like flaming carbuncles, while her widely distended nostril seemed, in the cold moonshine, to snort forth smoke as from a hidden fire. Fain would Turpin have controlled her, but, without bringing into play all his tremendous nerve, no check could be given her headlong course, and for once, and the only time in her submissive career, Bess resolved to have her own way. And she had it. Like a sensible fellow, Dick conceded the point. There was something even of conjugal philosophy in his self-communion upon the occasion. E'en let her take her own way, and be hanged to her, for an obstinate self-willed jade as she is, said he. Now her back is up, there'll be no stopping her, I'm sure. She rattles away like a woman's tongue, and when that once begins, we all know what chance the curb has. Best to let her have it out, or rather to lend her a lift. T'will be over the sooner. Tantivy, lass, tantivy. I know which of us will tire first. We have before said that the vehement excitement of continued swift riding produces a paroxysm in the sensorium amounting to delirium. Dick's blood was on fire again. He was first giddy, as after a deep draught of kindling spirit. This passed off, but the spirit was still in his veins. The estro was working in his brain. All his ardour, his eagerness, his fury returned. He rode like one insane, and his course partook of his frenzy. She bounded. She leapt. She tore up the ground beneath her, while Dick gave vent to his exultation in one wild, prolonged halloo. More than half his race is run. He has triumphed over every difficulty. He will have no further occasion to halt. Bess carries her forage along with her. The course is straightforward. Success seems certain. The goal already reached. The path of glory won. Another wild halloo, to which the echoing woods reply, and away! Away, away, thou matchless steed, yet brace fast thy sinews, hold, hold thy breath, for alas, the goal is not yet attained. 
But forward, forward on they go, high snorts the straining steed, thick pants the rider's labouring breath, as headlong on they speed. End of chapter 9, book 4